Hey, this is Chris. Before we get to the show, let me tell you a little bit about Anchor. Anchor is our way of we record podcasts. Fantastic. Let me tell you why. It's easy. It's free. There are creation tools that we can record and edit your podcast right from your phone and your computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you. So it can be heard on such um, providers as Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many, many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need in a podcast and so much more. Check out Anchor, and you can find it all in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Anchor, it's a fantastic way of creating your first podcast and making it work. You see, I was that I got a, I got a little dog in the back. Hey, uh, welcome all Monday morning, uh, the Ohioan, and hey, Patrick Linnell is the author of Grace Bomb, and his dog wanted to give a bark bomb on us, <laughs> starting our interview by uh, saying hello. And Patrick, thanks for coming on the show. We, we got him on to talk about his new book and kind of movement he's trying to create called grace bomb patrick how are you today i'm great chris yeah sorry about that that's my seven month old puppy saying hi so uh we might get another shout out from rue at some point but i'm doing great today the sun is shining in maryland and feeling good man happy to be on with you today yeah it's a little dreary here in ohio uh it's sunny in maryland today it is it is sunny and hot and humid also nice nice the humans must have come later today, which we're looking forward to. So it should be good. Well, tell us about Grace Bomb. It's kind of a neat topic and idea. Where'd you come up with it, and what are you trying to do here? Yeah. So my background, I have a, I have a church background, I guess you could say. I was a pastor at a pretty large church for over a decade, and you know, we're always trying to figure out helping people like practically do the golden rule. I think most people will nod their head and be like, oh yeah, yeah, golden rule. That's uh, love people or love your neighbor or do unto others. And I don't think there's anybody who disagrees <laughs> with the golden rule. I mean, like, unless you're like Cruella de Vil and you just have a cold heart. And, mm-hmm. uh, but I don't, I think that, I think for most people we want to do that, but it's been my experience in leading people over the years that that little phrase, you know, love your neighbor that Jesus said, that could be one of the hardest things to put into practice. Because when we go out and about, I don't know about you, bro, but like I'm, I'm on my phone. I'm distracted. I'm not paying attention to people. In fact, I'm trying not to pay attention to people most of the time, and you know, just do my thing, live in my little bubble, and largely leave me alone. Uh, but it's hard to practice the golden rule that way. So a few years back at the church, we came up with this little idea called Grace Bomb, and the idea of Grace Bomb is to drop a surprising gift. It could be your time, your treasure, or your talent on an, on a neighbor. It could be someone you know or someone you don't know. And it, we're not just talking about like random acts of kindness. We're talking about an intentional act of love because Jesus said we should love our neighbor, like do this thing. And so when we want to take that seriously, we can grace bomb somebody. But what made it fun and transferable is we came up with these little grace bomb cards. And I know the listeners can't see, but I'll show you, Chris, since you can see me right now. Mm -hmm. Uh, And those little grace bomb cards went along with these fun, surprising ways that people are getting loved on. And we, we made a little website just for the card that people could understand 
understand that that was just the tip of the iceberg of when it comes to God's personal and soul satisfying love for them. And so maybe they would be interested. Maybe they, they would be intrigued. And that little um, card and website combo, that was sort of like lightning in the bottle because our people who you know largely just waited for us to tell them what community service project to do, they just went out on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday at the grocery store, in line at Starbucks, at the soccer sidelines, whenever they felt like, wow, this would be a great opportunity to surprise somebody, just do something awesome. They were, they were doing it. And then we were hearing their stories and I was like, wow, this is so cool. So that was sort of like the origin story of grace bombs. So let me put it, let me give you a real practical, uh, what, what's the last grace bomb I dropped just so everybody can understand like, okay, what's this guy talking about? Cause they don't have to be like these huge things like, Oh, I got a car or this person gave me their house or something like that. Right. Although you could sure. But the last grace bomb I personally dropped was this past Memorial weekend and it was super rainy here. And so Kristen, my wife and I, we went out to do some little antiquing. So we went to a couple antique shops and we went in and there was a couple old ladies uh, working behind the counter. And I just got this big hot latte from the coffee shop up the street. And, you know, kind of jokingly, she was like, oh, I hope you brought enough for everybody, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, and they were super busy and they were helping all these people. So I left. I went and got these two hot lattes, cream sugar, a couple baked goods. And I came back. And I was like, hey, here you go. Just a little grace bomb to brighten your day. And they didn't see it coming. And I got two big hugs. And it was just a way to brighten their day. And I don't know if they looked into the website. I, you know, We didn't get into a really deep spiritual conversation. But what I wanted them to know is I see you, that you are loved. And there's way more love where this comes from. Because this has a source, and that source of love is God Himself. So it was like the last one I did, and and you know um, we share stories from all around the country of what people are doing. Because I've also seen like, especially when when it comes to like church folks, they we need a lot of help in creatively figuring out what am I supposed to do? How do I love people like this? And we love sharing the real stories of what's happening. Uh, And so that's like basically all the grace bomb social media stuff is largely just stories of what people are doing real time to spur on creativity. Cause we need, we need fun and creative ideas. Like how am I supposed to do this and what kind of things can I do? And so that's a little bit about what grace bomb is and where it started. So it sounds like you got two ways of helping people. One, as an example you just shared, where it's clearly slapping across the face. Hey, they said, hey, somebody, you know, did you bring enough for everybody? So a clear <laughs> way is going to get something for everybody. But it sounds like the cards are a good way if you're sitting there going, man, I, I don't know what to do for my neighbor. I'm struggling to help her out. Are the cards a way of just getting ideas where it's not necessarily you're randomly picking cards. You're looking for the cards to say, oh. wow, that's something I could do. Yeah. So let me clarify. So the cards, all the cards say on one side, it's a little cartoon grace bomb dropping oh, okay. with, with grace bomb in it. And then the other side, it just says you've been grace bombed. Oh, so, okay. so the card lets people know that this was motivated by grace, that there's a right. source and it's for the recipient to understand, oh, there's a, there's some deep spiritual stuff behind what just happened. It felt good. And that was kind of cool. And the card also serves as a reminder for the giver. The card kind of like burns a hole in your pocket. Like, oh, I kind of have to be thinking about my neighbor. 
And so the card goes along with any gift you drop. So like when I gave those coffees to the ladies, I had a little fun grace bomb card on top so they could see like, oh, this was a grace bomb. You know, this wasn't just like random act of kindness. This was a grace bomb. And so that's what the cards do. But then for the ideas and the creativity, we, we basically have our Instagram and Facebook and stories on our website that purely just share the stories to spur on that creativity. Oh, great. Great. Yeah. Um, no, that sounds like a really neat plan. So and I imagine the grace bomb card too. It's not like you have to sit there and go, Oh man, I got to share my faith. It's more of, it's kind of like a track just to say, Hey, here's the idea behind why I did. And it can give them a place of investigating more if they want, but also too, maybe sharing with somebody else. And right. Totally. So the, the cards can get passed along and, you know, most believers out there in the world, they're not really comfortable or even ready to share their faith. That's been my experience. Mm-hmm. Like it can be an awkward conversation. Like, how am I supposed to bring this up? What am I supposed to say? Right. And grace bombing actually gets you a little bit more comfortable outside of, you know, that bubble that we live in that comfort zone. Like nobody needs to know what I personally believe and stuff, but you know, we want people to know that kindness has a source and that they're, they're out there in the world looking for happiness and looking for joy, but ultimately we're only going to find the fulfillment of our heart in, well, not only just in puppies barking, but also in our walking with our creator. Right. And so what happens is the card helps us to get out of our comfort zone. And typically what I've seen, and by the way, anybody listening, you can go to gracebomb.org. We give cards away for free all the time, all across the country, every day. We're just putting these into the hands of people because it's a fun thing to do. And the cards are like training wheels that after like your maybe fourth, fifth or sixth, you know, grace bomb that you dropped, you might be a little bit more comfortable in having a conversation with somebody about why you did it. Yeah. You know, it's been my experience over the past couple of years in the beginning of grace bomb. We just wanted to be anonymous. We didn't want anybody to see our face, but now I love asking people like, Hey, have you ever been grace bombed and then hook them up with something cool and surprising and fun? Like, Whoa, whoa, whoa what'd you do? Why, why'd you do that? You know, that's too much or whatever. But then I get to say, Hey, this just comes from a source you know, high above us and full of love. And we just wanted you to have a taste of that today. And then they can go to the website and they can dig in and, and they can hear some of the, you know, the Christian message there. But what I love about grace bombing is we actually can strengthen our own muscles to become a track, like to become the people who can say, well, this came from a source and, and this is the God that I know and love and walk with and, and this pretty amazing life. And so all of a sudden you're in a spiritual conversation. How has COVID impacted your ministry and obviously what you're trying to do with Grace Bond? Because obviously we need grace more than ever with everything happening around the world today. That's a great question. And, you know, COVID really highlighted the need for people to be close and connected with one another. And it was in one way, you know, definitely a need needs arose very quickly. So people needed groceries, people needed toilet paper. So we saw all these grace bombing stories. I'm bringing groceries. I'm, you know, hooking up toilet paper for people with grace bomb stuff on them. And so needs were being met. But I think this underlying thing that happened was when even introverts were starting to miss 
human contact for a little while there. And grace bomb is this way that you can get close to your neighbor in a personal way, like in a way that says, hey, you might be having a rough day. I don't know what's going on, but I just wanted to tell you that you're loved today in a very practical way. And so I think COVID was a great reminder that we need each other. We're created for relationships. And Grace Bomb is a way to go from kind of the random stuff to become more relational among our neighbors. And sometimes we just need to break the ice, you know, right. and, and Grace Bombing can be a, a way to do that. So I think COVID definitely presented some obstacles, but at the same time, probably presented more opportunities. Well, and I think so too, because one of the things we talk about in Shoreline is based on politics and based on misperceptions of Christianity. Sometimes mm. Christianity gets looped into this, well, we're very political, or here's how we feel about COVID or something. And mm. I think this provides a way of trying to offer a little bit more of what purely is Christianity, mm. not necessarily a political comment, but just more of how do you give to other people? How do you um, use the grace that God showed us? Uh, it, it seems like a good reminder to say, hey, this is where our focus needs to be as Christians, loving one another, other than arguing about politics or how we handle COVID. Yeah, man, that's that's such a good word, Chris. You know, and I just kind of think back to Jesus and that dude, he cut across political lines, gender lines, racial lines, ethnic lines. It didn't matter what side of the aisle you were on, or even if you believed the wrong things about God, mm. he's he still approached people as human beings in need of grace. And so, like when you as you were talking, I was thinking about John 4 and the woman at the well. And here is like this Jewish rabbi in the middle of the day speaking with a Samaritan woman, which was unheard of because this lady was of the quote unquote wrong religion. You know, she wasn't Jewish, she was Samaritan. They were like sworn enemies. Men wouldn't be talking with women out in, out in daylight anyway, especially a rabbi. And like that, there was that cultural taboo. Plus that lady happened to be like on her fifth husband, which was culturally unacceptable. But, but here's Jesus. And he doesn't avoid her. He doesn't shame her. He doesn't like say, you know, lob up, hold up a sign and tell her why she's wrong. He went up to this lady and said, give me a drink. And so he asked a favor. Can I share your vessel? Because he knew that there was something she needed in her heart that she didn't have. And he knew that that was also only something he could offer. Yeah. And I, I feel like we get to be that kind of people because the reality is we're surrounded by neighbors every single day who they're, they have the emptiness in their soul. If they're not walking in a right relationship with their creator, there's something missing. And they think, well, maybe I'll find it if I'm successful. Maybe I'll find it when I get my PhD. Maybe I'll find it if I can get the right spouse or if I get the right prenup and, and I have enough 401k in the bank, I'm finally going to feel happy. But the reality is we're only going to find that satisfaction when we're rightly related to God. And, and Jesus gives that to us. Yeah. And, and so we get to be out there like as little lights in the world just being like, Hey, this is awesome. And, and grace is awesome. And this is just part of my life. And, you know, we sort of get to redefine what people think about Christianity, which was a really good point too, Chris. Like people kind of look into this top, this idea of Christianity and they might think, Oh, cold, political, judgmental, hypocritical. But the reality is we should be driving the cultural conversation of kindness today. Like this is our birthright. We know the God who is love. 
in a deep and intimate and personal way. And we get to introduce him to the world very practically. And so we should be like hitting it out of the park. When, when the world looks into the church, they should be thinking, oh, those are the awesome people who do awesome things all the time. And currently that's not necessarily the perception, but I think we can change that. Good. What, what are you hearing back from churches? Like, um, you've talked about how you've been able to, um, talk to churches about Grace Bomb. And I'm sure some of the things you just talked to me about, what's the feedback been from churches? You know, churches need, by and large, across the U.S., they're doing some good things when it comes to loving their neighbors, but it's all kind of vanilla. It's all looking the same right now. It's like, if I'm, if I'm a healthy church, which, and these are good things, don't get me wrong, everybody loves right. vanilla ice cream, um, right. the mainstay. But if I'm a, if I'm a church, I'm thinking I'm going to partner with community service organizations. I'm going to give them some money. I'm going to give them some volunteers. We're going to clean the park. We're going to get backpacks for the kids. We're going to do a blood drive. All of those things are great in the community, but the mindset that that's fostering is the leaders of the church will set up the event that I can then participate in as the person in the congregation. And there's something that needs to change about that because what we need to be thinking through is I need to empower the person in the congregation any day and every day as a spirit led believer to be able to make decisions, to follow the promptings of the spirit, to love their neighbor and break the ice like a pro. And that's not the case right now where church people are a little dependent on the leadership. So what I'm trying to do with grace bomb, it's, it's a paradigm shifting thing because we're trying to decentralize and empower the people with a simple tool that will help them grow spiritually um, but sometimes churches hear that and they're like, mm, you know, that's a, that's a huge idea. And some churches are ready to like, yeah, let's rock and roll. Let's do it. And other churches I think are kind of like, mm, we might, we might do that. We're going to maybe do our thing for a little while and, and maybe take a look at your thing later. So we, we get a positive response, but some churches are ready to rock and roll and other churches are a little bit more entrenched in the status quo. Well, and I think that's the thing that church has got to fight right now because with COVID, I mean, we've had reporters on who cover religion who talk about, you know, going back to church after COVID where, yeah, online services are available, but sometimes, you know, people have to go, well, do I go back inside the church? And I think that really speaks to what you're saying about how churches need the power of people. There is power in the churches. We want to support our local church. We want to mm -hmm. go to local church. But if we're casting all of our passion and everything in the local church, we're not learning ourselves. So like you said, it's got to be a hand-in-hand uh, -hand relationship, not a, hey, church, help me. It's more of, hey, here's what I can bring to the church, and, and here's what I'm learning, here's what I can teach other people too. So yeah, very good. Yeah, that's a good word, man. That's a good reminder. We we are the church. Like it's it's us. It's the people, and we're you know this is us. What are you hearing from the people that have been Grace Bomb? You've said you've heard some really interesting stories, mm -hmm. like the one you shared about the ladies uh, with the coffee earlier today. Yeah. So typically, when somebody gets Grace Bomb, their reaction is like, uh, "Whoa, where? What was this? Why did this just happen? This has never happened to me." Some people have said things like, "Oh, this has restored my faith in humanity." Other people have said things like, "This is the best surprise that I've ever gotten in my life," because yeah. it it feels good to be loved out of the blue, and mm -hmm. gr grace is like that. You know, grace, divine grace, is this idea that when we weren't looking for it, when we weren't 
you know, deserving of it when, even when we were still enemies with our creator, like God did something awesome and amazing for us. And that kind of hits you out of the blue and you're like, whoa, there's a lot of love where that came from. I can't believe it was directed to me. And so we kind of see these mini responses with these small tastes of grace with people. And what you realize is, especially like if you're, if you're a church person and you kind of have church people in your life, you're used to getting loved on, people checking on you, caring for you, even hooking you up from time to time. But when you're not in a community like that, and you're not used to being loved like that, it's like, what? Yeah. <laughs> and that's what right. we want for people. So one of the things that I'm learning from people getting grace bombed is we live in a love-starved world. Right. And we're just not thinking that this love is going to come from uh, the person across the street or the person in front of us in traffic or the person in front of us in the Starbucks line. You know, typically uh, neighbors can be contentious, like, you know, our relationships with people. Um, but man, we just need it. The world needs it. Definitely, definitely. Well, I'm Patrick Linnell, uh, author of Grace Bomb. Um, we're going to have the links um, on our podcast page where you can uh, check them out. Uh, but Patrick, uh, tell us about the website and how we can connect with you. And then we'll have the links where people can click and um, access Grace Bomb there. Awesome. Yeah. So everything is at gracebomb.org. And okay. that's where you can get your cards. That's where you can see the latest stories. Uh, if you're a part of a church, that's where you can, you know, rec- you know, contact us to bring Grace Bomb to your church. There's a link to the book there as well. Because um, one of the cool things that the Lord did over this process, once we got hundreds of stories coming in from around the country, it was like, wow, some of these things have to be shared because <laughs> yeah. they're great okay. ideas. But then you realize, okay, this thing isn't just wide, but this thing is deep as well. And so we partnered up with David C. Cook and we, we put a book out last month entitled The Grace Bomb, The Surprising Impact of Loving Your Neighbors, where you can really sort of wrap your arms around this idea and where it comes from in the Bible and, and how to do it in your own life. Um, and not just in the successes, but also in the failures, because the reality is I've blown way more grace bombing opportunities than I've succeeded at. <laughs> like most of the time, I'm not going back and hooking those ladies up with coffee, you know? Yeah. Um, I miss a lot of opportunities. So that's in the book as well. But it's all there, gracebomb.org. And I would say, if this at all sounds cool to you, just give it a try. It's, it's still scary. You have to get out of your comfort zone, but it is fun. It's a great way to put your faith into practice you know, outside of Sunday mornings. And you can find it all right there at gracebomb.org. And, you know, we definitely encourage you to check out Faith. Um, you know, if you haven't gone there, I'm, I'm sure there's some great resources at Grace Bomb uh, for that too. But, you know, even if you don't know God, if you're like, well, this sounds good, but I'm into faith. I mean, hey, it's good to treat other people kindly. I mean, so often on this show, we talk about crazy stories where people don't treat each other with respect. So we mm. definitely want to check you out, you know, check out the faith aspect of it, because that's truly where grace comes from. But even if you're not sure about that yet, hey, I don't think there's a problem with, you know, grace bombing somebody, even if you understand what faith is like right away. I mean, it. it I, I was looking at it from a common sense golden rule thing, um, you know, and maybe you could try that too. And it, it could, help kind of introduce you to what faith's all about. That's a, that's a, that's a good word, Chris. And yeah, I mean, give loving people a try. It's a game changer. Mm-hmm. Cause in a lot of ways, you know, we're human beings with a mind and a heart and a soul. 
And there's something about our soul that feels great when we get to love people. Fantastic. So yeah, definitely. I, I encourage your encouragement. And so <laughs> good job on that. <laughs> All right. Well, no problem. Well, Patrick, thanks so much for coming to the show. We really appreciate it. Uh, it's been fun to have you on. And again, uh, check, check out gracebomb.org, correct? That's right. That's right. And uh, thanks for having me on, Chris. I appreciate your time. And uh, go Steelers. Are you guys, you're big in the Steelers, right? Oh, yes. We're, we're definitely big Steelers fans. Uh, you made my day, Patrick. This is great. Um, hey, oh, before I forget, Patrick, is, is there a place we can connect with you on Twitter at? Um, actually, you can find me on Instagram and okay. you can find me on Facebook. And go ahead and do that through gracebomb.org as well because I kind of am part of that whole Gracebomb universe there. Fantastic. And you're right. We all we always have to uh, back the Steelers. Hopefully they'll be okay this year. I'm a little bit more nervous this year than years past, but hey, they never let me down. It, it should be good. So they're good. great. They're a great team and they and they have a lot of fans all over the world. So keep up the good work. <laughs> Fantastic. Thank you, Patrick. Have a great day. Okay, thanks, Chris. All right, that was Patrick Linnell from Grace Bomb um, Ministries. Um, you know, talk about sharing grace with other people. I, I think it's a, a fascinating idea, and um, if you can check it out, by all means do it. It's very interesting to see uh, what's available there for people. Um, thanks for checking out our interview show. Um, we are trying this today. Uh, we usually tape our program at 6 to 7 a.m. Monday for Thursday. Sometimes we can't get the interviews um, that we want during that time. So we wanted to kind of record something for people through the week where we can kind of um, schedule some interviews and talk to people. And pretty soon we have Megan Henry uh, scheduled to join us from the uh, Canton I'm sorry, the Columbus Dispatch. And we're also talking to Sarita Gaucher. Hopefully we can get her on as well. Um, so very good. If you have any questions, uh, definitely let us know. Um, this morning I uh, had a good conversation with Craig Schaup. Uh, we talked about some of the latest happening in Ohio today. Um, Craig also today talked to Bob Garber about movies. And uh, we have uh, our show right now. And later today, we're going to talk to Joe Frost about the Pittsburgh Steelers, as well as uh, just some silly news that's happening uh, that Joe and I can discuss. So uh, lots of um, good things are happening today um, here at The Ohio. And actually, uh, let's check out this um, ad. My uh, COVID's still an issue. I uh, wanted to share on um, this uh, PSA uh, talking about that where it's so important to wear a mask. I wear a mask. I wear a mask because I care about the health and well-being of those around me. I wear a mask because I might not know that I'm sick. Yo uso una máscara para mi familia y la comunidad. I wear a mask because I want to keep others safe. I wear a mask because I want to protect everybody. I wear a mask because too many people who look like me are getting sick and dying from COVID-19. I've grown fond of seeing people smile with their eyes. It's a beautiful experience in these times. Do it for their futures. 
Even if you don't have to, I hope you choose to. I wear a mask because I really want to get a haircut soon. Okay, a uh, PSA from the CDC. Um, the rules have changed on masks, um, but still, as our country is opening up, uh, be mindful of other people. And there, there are definitely still times, especially if you're not fully vaccinated, where it's good to wear a mask. It's good to be ready and able to do that um, as often as you can. Um, trying to figure out what it's been already a busy news day today. Uh, let's take a look at some of the stories. Uh, first of all, at the Memorial Tournament, uh, Patrick Cantley um, defeated Colin Makamura uh, in the first playoff round uh, to win the Memorial Tournament. Um, very crazy weekend, to say the least. Um, actually, um, third-round leader John Rom had to withdraw from the tournament. Uh, he actually had a six-stroke lead after three rounds. Um, he contracted COVID. Um, he had uh, close contact with somebody from with COVID on Monday night. Um, on Saturday, uh, he was tested. He was tested each day, and he had a positive um, test on Monday. So um, I, the positive test came back on Saturday. He had to withdraw from the tournament. We've got more information about that on this morning's podcast. But before we get there, let's bring on Megan Henry from the Columbus Dispatch. Megan, thanks for joining us live. Um, how are you today? I'm doing well, Chris. How are you doing? Fantastic. Uh, I, I'm having a little stomach issue today. I'm not sure what's going on with me, Megan. Really? Uh, but other than that, I'm, I'm okay. It's pretty good. Um, what's been happening with you lately at, at the dispatch? I know you're on the education beat. Uh, what's been exciting going on lately for you there? Yes, so things have been busy with graduation season, uh, but now schools are for the most part, done with the school year and summer is upon us. So uh, I'm excited to uh, have some time to hopefully work on some longer term projects uh, this summer in addition to keeping up with the latest school news. Yeah, we always think about our high school graduation year. I, I graduated high school in 93. Mm-hmm. And I I don't know. I mean, nothing really stuck out from 93 in the, in the world or news that happened. But, you know, for kids and 2020 and 2021, obviously their careers were marked by COVID. It's probably changed a little bit on how the graduation ran or their prom or maybe their sports they took part in. Um, you were a story kind of talking to some of these Columbus area seniors. Uh, what did you find out from them? Yes. So a few weeks ago, the dispatch did a story and we highlighted five seniors from the graduating class, the class of 2021. And so I talked to two seniors from that class. Um, one, And uh, she actually moved in with her grandparents during COVID. Um, and, you know, uh, hey, uh, during the pandemic. And... Sorry. Um, <laughs> Is it all good? Sorry about that. Well, I, I think we're losing a little bit. You're, you're starting to kind of go in and out. Um, could you log off and log back on? Of course. Awesome. Awesome. I think that'll help you out there. Uh, we, we got a little bit of a connection issue, but if you can log on, log back on, we, we should be okay. All right. Yeah. Megan Henry technology happens sometimes. So uh, we hope to have her back really quick. So yeah, as Megan was saying, you know, 
graduation has changed. Um, thankfully, a lot of the, the um, graduations have gone on as normal, but it's definitely been different. And Megan, welcome back. Hopefully, this is better. <laughs> Thank you. Sorry about that. We, we've been oh, having some Wi-Fi issues at our um, at our house, so they're actually going to come later oh, today okay. to help us out. So hopefully, that can Great. get solved. <laughs> so sorry about that. <laughs> no problem. No problem. Um, but yes, so the the seniors class of 2021, I talked to a senior named Maya Martin from Westerville North High School, and she was telling me how the, when the pandemic first hit, she was able to still kind of see her friends and socialize um, to an extent. But then when she moved with her grandparents uh, in the fall, who were at a higher risk for COVID-19, that all was put on pause. And she was really able to see her friends um, and really have like a, a normal, typical senior year, so to speak, that she was looking forward to all these years in high school. And so uh, once she got the COVID vaccine in April, and that's really changed her her life dramatically, she's able to go out and like see her friends and have, uh, she's able to have a little bit of a normal, somewhat normal end to her senior year. But she was also just describing to me the struggle of having um, school online. And she was describing how repetitive her days were and how it just really uh, was hard for her. But she was in this class, she was telling me about this African-American studies class that she really enjoyed and that something she looked forward to every day. And so that really helped her get through the, the pandemic, so to speak, uh, for her senior year in high school. And another senior I had talked to, her name was Cynthia, and she was a senior at Centennial High School. And she actually came to, came to America from Uganda um, in, I believe, 2019. So she was still adjusting to American culture and adjusting to American high school when COVID-19 hit and put all that, uh, flipped that all, flipped all that on its head. And so then she of course had to deal with, deal with online school and in Columbus city schools, they were online for most of the year and uh, never fully returned to all in person. They were hybrid for the remainder of the year back in, I believe March is when they switched over. And so she was already transitioning to life in America when COVID-19 really, really turned her senior year on its head. Well, and you got to think, too, if you're – it'd be like if we decide to get schooling in another country. You're preparing for the culture there. I'm sure you're reading up on what do I expect, what's going to high school like, you know. Um, maybe they're used to smaller school, going to bigger school. So you get used to that, and you come over, and it's totally different. So it, they've got to be almost adjusting on the fly, I'm sure, as they come to America. Certainly, certainly. And her mom, too – uh, ended up losing her job due to COVID-19. She worked at uh, a Cap City Diner in Gahanna and she lost mm -hmm. her job. And so then her mom got a new job at uh, a Kroger. And so uh, Cynthia got a job alongside of her mom at the Kroger to, to help out and help pay the bills and also save up some money uh, for college as well. It's interesting with the schools now. Um, we're getting into a better time. I mean, COVID's still serious. COVID, we got continue to take it seriously, but the numbers have gone down. We're getting into a, a better path for it. Are educators optimistic as of the moment for the beginning of the next school year? I'm sure things could change based on what happens, but they got to be feeling better than they were probably a few months ago, I'd imagine. Certainly, certainly. It sounds like people overall are feeling more optimistic. And so um, I'd say, yeah, the educators, um, I haven't talked to them a ton about this, but the ones I have talked to a little bit about this do seem to be more optimistic going ahead for the, uh, let's see, that'll be the 2021-22 school year. 
Um, yeah. So I, I believe most schools still require people to, to wear masks. And so I'm, I'm curious what the masking mandate will look like uh, once the fall rolls around. So we'll be following that closely um, over the summer as well. So, but yes, people are seem to be more optimistic uh, and it'll certainly be a different school year than last year. Well, I'm guessing that's going to change too, because I know things have changed here in the past week dramatically with the health orders um, going away. I mean, I know a lot of businesses and everyone else is really adjusting on the fly. So I'm, I'm sure schools are interested in checking out and seeing what happens and kind of judging how they're going to approach when August comes around. Mm -hmm. Definitely. I never know like which places require people to still wear masks. So I always just have one just in my, in my purse or in my car, just in case I have to run out and grab one. You know, it was interesting because my wife and I have always been very um, conservative as in, Hey, let's wear a mask. Uh, we've been ones not to go out that much at all in the past year. And you know, yesterday, church we go to, they were like, hey, for the first time, masks are optional. And this church has been very careful about masks and everything. So we're trying to figure out what do we do? And, you know, like you said, I had mask on me when we were in the crowds of people going into the church. Mm -hmm. You wear your mask. People were pretty spaced out in the service. So I'm like, hey, if you're spaced out, I'll take the mask off during the service. When we walk out, put the mask on. So I'm not even sure if you have to wear 100% of the time, but we're fully vaccinated. I, I think it's more of a question of be smart in the way you do it. You know, if you're around 100 people, mm -hmm. put the mask on. So, yeah, very interesting. So. How, how are you guys approaching? We're going to talk about your next story in just a second, but how are you guys approaching getting back to work? Um, I hear dispatch office is going to open, open pretty soon. Yes. So starting next Monday on June 14th, we're going to have the option to return to the office if we want. Um, we don't have to go, go back full time, you know, full five days, eight hours hours in the office but if we want to work you know a day here and there in the office or a part of the day here have like a meeting in the office have record a podcast for instance yeah in our podcast studio we're welcome to do so starting next week yeah you're kind um, of going out and they have uh sounds like they have some plexiglass set up um in our office, in our newsroom, uh, little dividers. So um, I'll probably be in the office for a few days, a few days uh, a week. My my coworkers again, and to eat lunch downtown. Yeah, it should be good. Um, our team that we work with you guys on, since we're working with a lot of papers around Ohio, they're telling us, hey, you could be remote if you want to come back to the office. You can. I wouldn't mind going back to the office if we need to work with you guys. I think the only problem I have is parking downtown is a cost. I mean, if there's a spot where I can get free parking, it'll be better. Uh, do you have to pay to park downtown, or are you you're pretty close? I'm pretty close. There's uh, there's a bus line, so I might look into that. I have paid to park in the past, but maybe I'll look into the the bus line, the Coda bus service. Yeah, I, I actually tried it. It was funny. Um, I started. Oh, I can't remember. It seems like a lifetime ago, you know, since we were at the office. Uh, but the department I used to work with before I'm working my current one. We moved to the dispatch office. I think it was like a couple months before uh, COVID happened. And I started to ride the bus. And I live over by Easton Mall. So to get to the Easton station, park there, wait for the bus, take the bus downtown. I mean, it's 
man, it was like an hour, hour and 15 minute process. And save money. I Sometimes I kind of think, is it worth the time though? That's why I kind of struggle with a little bit. And bus people were really interesting. I, I you know, man, Megan, I should have, I should have offered to write a essays on bus people. I mean, I think that would have been awesome. I mean, it's just very, very interesting. So I don't mm-hmm. know. Well, it'll be looking forward to it. Should be good. And you were saying yesterday, I, I haven't gotten to see the story yet, but you said you had a story um, Sunday about high school quiz team. Um, yes. Yes, I, I see it online. I don't know if it ran in print yet. I uh, haven't checked our paper yet this morning uh, or the weekend. But yes, uh, Olin Tangi Berlin High School Quiz Bowl team made it to the national tournament that was hosted over Memorial Day weekend. Um, and it usually is in Atlanta, but they decided to do it virtually this year. They I think they figured that out you know months in advance uh, with COVID. They weren't probably sure how it was going to go, so they decided to do it virtually. This year, after it was canceled last year, actually due to COVID, and the team had qualified last year um, in 2020, but the tournament was canceled completely. There was no online, no anything. So it was nice to be able to actually have a tournament uh, this year for the students. And they qualified again, and they competed, um, and they they had a blast. It was their first time in their school's history. Uh, the school's only been there for three years. So it was the first time they actually were able to play in the tournament and they they had a blast they uh, um let's see i'm gonna get this right uh where did they place play up did it cut out again yeah you're you're kind of going in and out do you mind trying to log back in and out one more time or log out, log back. All in. right, they placed 159th out of 224 teams. And- oh, okay. All right, and um, Megan will be right back. Um, again, tech issues. It happens from time to time, but no, it should be good. So it was exciting to hear about the Quiz Bowl team, man. It's kind of been uh, neat. I'm hearing about the progress and how. Um, uh, schools are getting back at it. Um, we're we still have COVID, but we're learning how to live with it and. We're learning how to live with technology, as Megan is is fighting that today, and uh, I'm glad she's back. Um, so yeah, it's great to hear about the old TNT Quiz Bowl team, Megan. And um, she's smiling at me. I haven't heard her yet. So are you there, Megan? Yeah, times the charm for for uh this morning for me trying to log oh, out. Oh yeah. No worries, no worries. Um at all. but yes, the team they me now. Yeah, yeah. It's just okay. the um like you said the connections. Sorry about that. It, it's raining where I am too, so I wonder if that's maybe really? part of it. Wow. I don't know. It's quite possible, yeah. But the team they Yeah, two twenty four. So they had pretty uh pretty impressive showing. So then, then one of the students actually he's the captain. He placed forty fourth or no forty forty first uh, as individual scorer out of over a thousand students in the tournament. So he did exceptionally well. He's quite proud of himself, and he's uh going to be a senior next year. So he'll hopefully he and his team can qualify on Tangi Berlin and qualify. And you're saying this is the first year they did this, uh, were able to do this in person, right? 
So it actually, the tournament itself was hosted virtually, uh, the oh, championship okay. tournament. So the team was able to be in person together at the high school, it sounded like, but um, all the all the teams were competing virtually over a platform of, I, I believe it was like Zoom of some sort. Um, so, yes. I get a little bit. A little different than normal. Yeah, I get a little bit jealous about that because when I was in high school, I was on the speech and debate team. I did Lincoln-Douglas debate. Yeah, yeah, that's how cool I was in high school. But, um, you know, the rough part about that is you always had to travel. Like the, you would go to a nearby high school for the tournament. Our coach was with the team for 40 years, so she felt she had to get there early. So we're at the bus at like 5 a.m. on Monday. On, I'm, I'm sorry, Saturday morning. Which sucks. You're in high school. You don't like to get up on 5 a.m. on a Saturday morning. And it was tough. But I'm hearing that, like, with speech and debate over the past year or two, they were doing it virtually. Where, in essence, they could do it from their own house. And I'm very jealous. Man, I wish I could have competed from my home. I wouldn't have to travel anywhere or, you know, get up really early. That, that would have been fantastic. And that's something they need to keep around a little bit. It should be good. Definitely, definitely. I had some friends that actually competed on speech and debate in high school. Uh, so I'm, I'm familiar with what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, it, it was interesting. It, it was a, it was a neat time in life, and but it was funny. Uh, we were one of the only. Well, I'm not sure about the only, but at least only in our area where we had like football players on, basketball players. Uh, sometimes, like you know, everyone was like, "Oh, this school only has the geeks on their team." We had all kinds of different people, so it was funny because we were probably one of the fewer schools that had. It was cool to be on the speech and debate team. There was all kinds of different people there. It, it was an interesting time. I, I miss that. I always think if I had time that I would love to do speech and debate coaching, maybe on the side before I do. But then I'm like, I'm tired after a long week of work. I'm like, I, I need to decompress, not by driving to a half hour away on this early Saturday morning. So it should, should be good. Um, yeah, if you have a few more minutes, I, I was going to ask you, um, what's your thought about cicadas? I know you live downtown, right? I live near downtown. I live close to Ohio State. So, yeah, about 10 minutes away from downtown, 10, 15 minutes away. We were so confused because I had the um, golf tournament on late yesterday. Mm -hmm. My wife walks in from the deck, and she's like, my goodness, what are you watching? And there was this buzz. I'm like, yeah, it's the cicadas and everything. And, and we live east of the mall on the east side of town. We didn't hear any cicadas. Did you hear any cicadas where you were at yesterday? I did not know. Uh, I wasn't around. I wasn't. I was um, out and about yesterday, but I didn't. I have not seen any yet. Um, so I'm not. I'm still waiting to see my first cicada. Maybe I have seen it and didn't realize what it was. Um, but it's funny you mentioned that. I was actually talking to some of my friends last night about because uh, apparently they're edible, and so one of my friends was saying how she she would. Uh, she would try a, a, a fried cicada if it was a cooked, like fried cicada. So I thought that was kind of interesting. She's braver than I am. Yeah, I, I'm not sure if I would like that. And no. the other thing I get confused, they're really small too, right? So I like, so. probably like eating a raisin, right? Yeah, something like that. I don't, I don't know. Maybe it's like some kind of protein. I'm not sure. Well, they always say it tastes like chicken, but still, <laughs> I don't know. I just said, Eating insects doesn't really appeal to me at all. I, but I just, it was strange because you you hear the cicadas. So mm -hmm. that golf term, a lot of people on Twitter were complaining, saying, man, 
you know, it, it's really distracting. And I'm guessing if you were in the gallery over in Dublin, it'd probably been a lot louder. But, you know, it was just strange that in Dublin, it was a, a big deal. Where down in Ohio State and east of town, you didn't hear them that much. It, it's kind of weird. You'd think you'd hear them all over the place, but I don't know. Yeah, unless uh, unless I'm hearing them and I'm just ignoring them. I don't know. Maybe I've just tuned that out. Yeah, sometimes it's know. hard to norm. I, I, I think I, it, I have it, not. That's true. What well, I'm hearing too, just from our past coverage, I guess it's hitting Cincinnati a lot worse. Um, our, our friends at the Cincinnati Enquirer are doing like a cicada story every day, and although we've had cicada coverage at the Dispatch and other places, I think Cincinnati it's it's gotten worse. I'm not sure why, but yeah, I'm not sure about eating cicadas. I, I'm. <laughs> I just, I'm glad we have enough of our food to eat. I mean, I guess if we had to eat cicadas, we could, but I don't know. It's kind of tough. Uh, anything else exciting happening with Columbus or uh, trying to figure out if there's um, – I mean, the big story was John Rom. I know you used to cover um, health and everything. Uh, do you think what happened to him is going to have an impact? I mean, he's a traveling golfer. I mean – and I'm imagining, like, you know, he was exposed to uh, COVID-19 on Monday. He was um, tested every day. I, he found out he was positive for it on Saturday. Um, from your health experience, do you think that's going to be a, a big deal? I don't know. I think it'll be interesting to, to tell. I think that'll just be kind of the norm of players getting tested regularly, and uh, which unfortunately means tournaments like that will just kind of change on a dime. Um, but I think that might just be like the new norm as, as sad as unfortunate as it is, you know, you work so hard to, to qualify and to get to that, get to that spot. So hopefully, hopefully we won't see that um, very much moving forward. Um, but that was a shame to hear. Yeah. And thankfully um, outside it's harder to pass it from people to people, but I'm thinking about the guys who played with. I'm thinking about the fans out there. Yeah. You, you're not, very, very close um, to the golfers, but you're close enough. And uh, Rob Bowler, I was reading one of his columns over the weekend where he said, yeah, I was two feet away from the guy when yeah. we were talking, asking questions. And um, again, thankfully, we're in a better place. I mean, a lot of us are fully vaccinated, yeah. which doesn't totally slow COVID, but we're in a lot better position than we were a year ago. But I, it made me think. And again, I'm not expecting Mike DeWine to run to the um, podium and, you know, t- putting health orders back in. But I thought it was a fascinating story of the weekend. I'm not usually a golf fan. We end up talking a lot more golf on the podcast today, uh, just based on that really shocking story about a Rom getting COVID. And, you know, he was ready to win. I mean, um, we talk about vaccine millions so much. He and Essence lost 1.6 million. I'm guessing he wasn't vaccinated, but I, I, I don't know. It was interesting. Mm-hmm. Well, the other thing I could think about is obviously um, the big news is Vaximillion. Um, I, I know you've been fully vaccinated. Have you signed up for it? I'm assuming you have, right? Why not? Yes. Yes, I have signed up. So every week I get my hopes up. I always think, I mean, we're allowed to sign for those things in case you don't know. Journalists don't get paid tons and tons of money. So we all could use the million bucks. I mean, you know, from our big boss on down, you know, we all could use it. and Everyone's excited about it. I wonder how awkward it's going to be if one of us, either be it somebody from Gannett, Ohio, or maybe somebody from around the state, a journalist wins. It might be a little bit awkward, I guess. Yeah, I can see that, uh, us doing a story or someone doing a story on a 
fellow journalists willing that might be a little a little weird so but it, it's been awesome to see that the people who won so far have donated it sounds like they were donating they are planning to donate some of it to to a charity or to some organization or some sort i don't know if it was clarified uh or specified which where they wanted to donate it but i, I remember reading that uh in our coverage so far that they wanted to donate it or just use it to pay off to pay off some bills which is, i think is awesome yeah, I hope they're being left alone, too. I mean, obviously, everyone wants to be the friend of a new millionaire, but hopefully people aren't bugging them too bad and everything. So, yeah, hopefully it'll be good. I, I, I always think, though, as a journalist, how would I answer those questions? Because I, I guess you expected to be on the Mike DeWine press conference. Mm-hmm. How, do, how do you answer that? How awkward is it when Jackie or Borcher, like one of our coworkers, <laughs> asks us a question? I don't know. It should be interesting. I don't know. Yeah, definitely. I'm excited for the next drawing. See that. My, my, my wife is painfully shy, and she's excited. She wants to win like the rest of us. But I was telling her about the press conference. I showed her a clip on YouTube, and mm-hmm. she's terrified about the idea. So I don't know. I, I want to win the millions. So hopefully, she wins. But I don't know. It'd be interesting to see what happens there. So. Very good. Well, well, Megan, thanks so much. It's always fun to talk to you about your stories and some of the other things going on around Columbus. Um, remind us, if we're not following you on Twitter now, shame on us, but how do we follow you on Twitter in case we are not already? Yes, please follow me. It's at Megan K. Henry. Don't forget, don't forget the K. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, you get a lot of good tweets. You get tweets about her stories. Um, what did you have the other day? I almost asked you about that, but uh, you got some personal tweets that were fun. You had something Saturday I saw that I liked. Yeah, yeah, I use some personal tweets every now and then. Yeah, some one of my coworkers, <clears throat> um, Sheridan Hendricks, uh, mm-hmm. we went out Saturday night with one of our good friends, um, and we saw a comedy show, and so we got dinner beforehand. So Sheridan snapped a photo uh and it's funny because each the three of us have all got the different vaccines i got pfizer sheridan got moderna and our other friend got the j and j so uh it was just kind of funny that you know this evening was brought to you by uh these yeah each of the different vaccines who'd you get to go see we got to see um Craig, I can't think of his last name right now, but he he plays Daryl in The Office. Oh, very nice. Very yeah, nice. It, it was a very entertaining show. Yeah, I, I heard they added another show. Maybe it was a show you went to, but yeah, he was in Columbus for a couple days. It was pretty good. And we were trying to get Melissa Villasenor of Siren Live on the podcast. I saw uh, she was coming in town, too. And yeah, I'll tell you, I, as COVID continues to hopefully ease, I think we're going to get bombed with concerts. I mean, I think we're going to have everybody, and because that's how you make money if you're a comedian or a band or anything else. I think you're going to see a lot more of that coming up, so it should be good. Definitely. I'm looking forward to it. I, I think that rain that you're talking about has come over to the east side. We're starting to get some thunder and lightning and all this other stuff. Are you still seeing it in downtown? Yes, it's definitely let up. Uh, not as loud as it was, not as dark as it was a couple minutes ago, but definitely still raining quite a bit. Yeah, I think we're getting that over here. So, well, Megan, thanks so much. Appreciate it. I'll follow up with you afterwards. But thank you for coming on the high. We always appreciate it. Have a great day. Thanks so much. All right, you as well. Bye.
All right. Megan Henry from the Columbus Dispatch. Uh, man, I, I should have asked her. She's been on probably about six or seven times now here on the show. And it's always been uh, fascinating to have her on uh, to talk about Ohio and things that are going on here. Um, you know, a lot of good stories. I'm uh, talking about what's happening with graduations um, in Columbus. Um you know, based on the um, Mike DeWine letting the health orders expire, um, you know, a lot of these uh, Columbus high schools were able to graduate in person, which was exciting for them. Um, so that, that's been going on. That's been exciting. And it's been exciting to see uh, some of these events come back, um, including the old TNG uh, team participating in the Quiz Bowl. Congratulations uh, to them for what they did. And just congratulations to all the seniors that got through the year. Uh, lots of crazy stuff happened this year, and it's been good to see how people have progressed. Um, it's it's been very it's been a challenging year, but I think it's been a good year for a lot of people um, here in Ohio. Um, you know, thanks for checking out the show. We're gonna hang out just for a little bit. Um, Sharina Gauthier is talking about uh, coming on, but I know she has a meeting that is closing up, um, so it'll be interesting to see. Um, if we can catch her before the end of the show. Um, again, uh, later today, um, check us out. We're going to record in the afternoon. It'll be available for you probably tomorrow morning. Uh, Joe Frost, one of our Steelers podcasters, will be on. Uh, we'll be talking about the latest and greatest in Pittsburgh Steelers. And we'll, we also have a silly news show where we talk about uh, just some of the fun things happening uh, around the country and just kind of making fun of it and we're looking forward to that as well. Um, so thanks for checking us out in Ohio. And um, interesting morning here on Monday. Um, we have the rain has come here in Columbus. I'm taking a look outside and there's the storm that was down uh, by Megan near where she lives, Ohio State. is definitely coming out here east to the Columbus area. Uh, let me uh, take a look at the headlines as we see if we can catch uh, Sharita. She should be on any moment. Some of the discussions here at the Columbus Dispatch at this hour uh, are Ohio Townships eligible for buying relief funds. That's the top story. Um, definitely important to check out local journalism, uh, check out what's happening there. And a good example of local journalism is a great Sarita Gaucher from the Canton Repository. Thank you. Um, we were kind of scrambling. We were scrambling at the end for a 10 o'clock guest. And thank you for answering the call. Sure. Um, this is an audio podcast. So you can't see Sharita right now, but I can tell you Sharita is not in Columbus because I'm looking outside and it's raining like crazy. And Sharita, I'm assuming is in the Canton area, right? And it, sitting it, on a, a sunny deck on a nice Monday morning. So yeah, it, it's good reminder. Sharita is not in Columbus right now, which is always a good thing. <laughs> Great town though. Great town. Yeah. Yes. Definitely. Definitely. It's where my I made my home for many years before I came down here to Central Ohio. Yeah, I want to actually talk about two things, and, and just to prepare you a little bit, we were talking via message. Um, you had a great story t talking about what's happening in Canton. Uh, you kind of looked at the um the Hebrew, um, is it Black Hebrew the faith? Uh, black Hebrew Israelites. Okay. Black. Yeah. Uh, yeah uh, 
important case going on at McKinley right now, and we'll talk to Shreed about. And I wanted to get, as a person of color, some uh, feedback of what was happening in Hudson. I know that wasn't directly in your coverage area, but you guys were close about this strange story about the American Legion, right. where a veteran for 30 years made the and. Believe me, I'm putting up quotes, uh, being a little sarcastic here, the mistake of mentioning um, a story that I felt was of great interest, but apparently they didn't like it at, in Hudson. But we'll talk about that in a second. But first of all, you know, at McKinley, um, we've been talking about in the show, the head coach and six assistant coaches were ousted. Um, they made a boy um, of the – and let me make sure I have it right. Black Hebrew Israelite faith, right? Correct. Yeah, a, a football player, him and his family are of that faith. Um, you know, they felt he had to get punished because he missed optional team practice. Uh, they made me a pizza. Now, you might say, teenage boys, pizza, that's great. Well, with that faith, you're not supposed to eat pepperoni or any residue of a pork or anything like that. They did that, and, you know, Obviously, that wasn't good, and because of that, the coach was ousted. Um, Sharita, what would you take away from that story? I know uh, Kelly Weir and Josh Weir have been covering it from a news side, but you had a really good analysis piece of what that faith is all about. Uh, what, what did you learn from writing that? Well, you know, it's, it's a subset of uh, a number of um, Afrocentric religions, um, including the Nation of Islam and some others, and, and some are so small Nobody even knows what they are, um, but uh, this this faith is um, I, I have heard of it before. I kind of, because I'm a religion writer, I kind of you know follow um, such stories of interest. Um, there's still some debate over whether or not things happen the way they've been reported. It, it's um, you know school systems are you know terrified of of bad publicity, so. Um, whether there was a rush to judgment, who can say? Um, but uh, you know, I, I you know you hear about well, the the coach offered to offer, offered to get him something else, and and you know again, who knows? It's one person's word against another's. Um, but but it, this story also speaks to the larger culture of of sports, and yeah. and, and you know if it's if he missed a voluntary practice, as it's alleged, how do you punish someone for? But we all know voluntary isn't necessarily voluntary. We understand that. So um, I think that's an issue also that has to be looked at in addition to, you know, the faith thing. Um, as soon as I heard that, I thought, boy, that that, that staff is in trouble. Uh, anytime you're you're dealing, you know, a cross section of, of people's religious rights and and, uh, and and punishment or whatever, that's 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 a. <laughs> Stick of dynamite, frankly. <laughs> so, well, and I, I, I'm assuming, and again, being in Columbus, where we've been reading the stories for work and everything, I'm assuming the coaches knew what was going on in terms of where this guy was. Because, you know, pizza for a teenage boy, 99.9% .9 of the time, they're high-fiving you. They're like, man, this is not a punishment. This is a reward. Thank you, coach, or parent, for getting that for me. Um yeah, yeah, it just was, it was tough. But as a Christian, I know the faith that you come from too, Sharita. I, I always kind of wonder and say, if we're going to have our faith respected, 
you know, how do we continue to respect the faith of others? Do you think the readers that have commented on the story based on comments to Kelly and your editor, as well as you, do you think people are understanding that? Or do you think people are saying, what's this different religion and what does it mean? Uh, I think there's a lot of confusion. Um, I, I, in my story, I quoted Rabbi John Adlin, who's a retired uh, rabbi from um, Temple Israel. And he'd mentioned that one of the major uh, uh, Jewish news services even described the boy as Jewish. So, you know, there's a lot of um, confusion about, you know, what does it mean to be, you know, a Hebrew Israelite? Some people mm -hmm. are, are arguing, well, they're not Jewish because they also read New Testament scriptures. But this is America. You can call you. Frankly, you can call yourself whatever you want to call yourself. You can if you want to worship trees or cats, that's you know, that's on you. Um, right. So I think there is, you know, there's a lot there. There's a lot of things in this in this culture that people don't know about. So that was my kind of my purpose to give them just a primer, because I, I frankly don't know a, a lot about it myself to be. I'm certainly not no expert on it. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's 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 important that we, you know, open our 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 minds and our visions to, you know, not everybody thinks the way we think or not everybody believes the way we believe. And, you know, I think part of the problem is people are trying to pigeonhole them into, well, you have to be, if you believe this and you, you, you must be Christian, or if you believe this, you must be Jewish. Well, not, you know, they, they have a right to define themselves however they want to define themselves. And we're more news people by trade. We'll leave the sports writing to people like Josh Weir and everybody else. But whatever happened to good old running or good old, hey, do 10 more jumping jacks or, you know, run a suicide draw after practice. I mean, why are we always coming up with these unique, you know, and different punishments? I mean, you know, if we just had the kid run a couple more laps. Well, I think you know. I think it opens a window to to something that people weren't necessarily aware of that there are these kinds of punishments. I mean, in in sports, and you know, it's a big time football program. So you know, they they're there's constant pressure to win and and you know and get in the playoffs and and of course you know the state championships. So. Um, I'm a big sports fan, and even that was news to me that they did that with high school kids, did such things with high school kids. And high school football is big in Ohio, but especially in Stark County. Uh, I grew up in Stark County, and the McKinley Maslin was such a big deal. Is there a lot of re reaction based on that? Because, you know, McKinley Maslin is not just a great rivalry in Stark County, it's a great rivalry across the country. Uh, is there a lot of upset people saying, hey, this is the coach of McKinley? You know, we're hoping to have a good year. What did you do? Was there some reaction based on just McKinley being a dominant football program over the years? Um, I mean, McKinley's always going to uh, garner people, people's attention. I mean, it is no matter what. And and he's a, he was a good he was a, he was a young coach. I mean, mm -hmm. I think he has a future somewhere else. Um, but, um, you know, the, the, the margin of error here is small. You know, yeah. I mean, this is a, this is a community where, you know, Maslin, when Maslin, you know, would lose a game. You know, they'd put a for sale sign on in on the front line of the coach's house. You know, yard. Right. So, right. I mean, the, you know, you you have guys who played you know 20, 30, 40 years ago still haunting the sidelines. You know, and uh, 
this, I mean, you know, there was a documentary made about, you know, the Massillon Tigers. It was well done, as, as a matter of fact. And, I, and there's one from McKinley, one that's recently been done from McKinley. So it's one of the oldest rivalries in, in the United States. Yeah. And it's a, for a lot of people, it's a big deal because they tie their identity to, to that particular rivalry. So. It'll be interesting to see what happens with that kid. Um, you know, I mean, the kid's got every right to stay with McKinley. Um, he the kid that ate the pizza. I, I wonder if the kid's going to stay after school because you talk about football, such a family standpoint that yeah. you come back from it. And, you know, I, I wouldn't blame the kid if he stayed or left. You know, it'd be interesting to see what ends up happening with him. Well, I, I think it may depend on the interim coach, Anthony um, Anthony Hall. Um, you know, he's a, he's he's a he's a great great guy, and um, I know him personally. I know his mom and dad, um, so that was a really smart move on their part. Uh, I'm sorry, Antonio Hall. I'm sorry. Um, and he's a great he's a great young man, I should say. He's not a kid. Yeah. <laughs> he's a very talented, um, just very um even keeled kind of guy. So um I think that was probably a really, really smart move by them. So, you know, possibly he may stick around to see uh what Coach Hall has to offer. Yeah, another veteran of the great McKinley football team for that year where, you know, you think about guys like Mike Dosh, Jameer Martin and everything. Uh, there's a lot of guys that end up in the NFL and a lot of guys that uh, I know Antonio didn't make the NFL, but he played pro ball in Canada. And, and you know, more importantly, he's making a difference in the life of kids. I mean, you know, right. he served as AD and obviously you come in a situation like that. It's going to be tough, not right. just for how McKinley does on the field, but, you know, we're people. We got to think about how these kids do off the field too. And Antonio's got his work out from him, but everything I heard, he's a good guy to do that. So, yep. He was, a, he was a, probably the perfect choice if you had to, you know, if you had to, uh, calm the waters. He's he's a perfect choice for that. So, yeah, yeah. Well, let's talk a little bit about Hudson. I'm I'm scratching my head. I I don't understand this. And Sharia, I don't like to blankly use the term racist, like racist, because I, I, you know, even if I knew somebody, it's hard to say, hey, you're a racist or something else like that. But you look at a case like that where there's a 30 year veteran of the military. And, you know, I've had different people on this show. I, I may not agree with every point they have, but I'm not, I'm not sitting there. Like I didn't say, Sharita, give me a copy of your remarks. I'm going to mark out some stuff. Uh, you better not say that, you know, it's more like, Hey, sh share your opinion. If I'm uncomfortable with something, I'll, I'll gear the conversation another way. But you, you know, but that's what kind of they did to this guy in Hudson. They said, let me see your remarks. They kind of say, hey, we're not sure if this belongs or that belongs. And, hey, the veteran went ahead, chose her remarks, shared a story that, uh, sadly, like the Tulsa Race Massacre, we don't know much about, about how um, slaves that were freed by the actions of soldiers in the Civil War paid tribute um, to those who gave their life to fight for their rights. Why would Hudson not say... Hey, share that story. It's a minute or two story in the speech. I mean, I, I'm still scratching my head a little bit. And I hate to use the word racist. I hate to call people I don't know racist. But it, it gives off that impression. So even if they weren't racist, they're giving off a very strange impression 
to the world that I, I, it just didn't make sense for them to do. Very poor decision by them. Well, you know, for one thing, Americans are allergic to history. Yeah. And, 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 and you know, God forbid we should learn about someone other than, you know, Martin Luther King and George Washington Carver. Um, you know, you I think you had to respect the, this man's expertise. Um, you know, he didn't have to come. And and for for them to say, well, we only wanted him to talk about Hudson uh, veterans. Well, are you telling me that if he had name dropped George Washington, you would have cut off his remarks? Yeah, I doubt it. So yeah, you know, I agree. I agree. You have to ask them as far as their motives. Right. I know what I believe and I know, you know. You know, as the joke says, are you going to believe me or your own lying eyes? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so it's it's unfortunate that, that some people just can't, they can't get past, uh, you know, even when it's something good. And the thing is, the audience, um, from what I could read of the reports, they really enjoyed it. Yeah. Uh, so Why you're, is you're talking two minutes, it, 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 you know, it's... <laughs> So, you know, and fortunately for them, there were consequences. It's, it have been. it's one thing if you're like saying, hey, let's talk about the Red Sox game last night. Man, what a crazy <laughs> game. Or if you said, listen to the Ohioan, that Chris is a great guy or whatever. I mean, this is on topic. He's talking about Memorial Day. I mean, it's it just. And, I, and you know, that, that you would cut out someone's mic. It's like, how's that professional in the least? How's that respectful? I, I, you know, the the only hero that emerged from from that incident is the sound guy who was like, "You're not gonna pin, you're not gonna hang this on me," <laughs> you know. So if him. I if I was the sound guy, yeah, good for what he said. And during the speech, I'll be sprinting out of that booth, <laughs> saying, "Okay, I'm done. <laughs> Don't call me anymore. This is just ridiculous." Yeah, and, and, it, and it speaks to the larger issue that the the country's changing. Yeah. People are be, being made more aware of things that they didn't know. And 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 a lot of people seem to be open to learning. Some people, we're, as I said earlier, we, we are kind of allergic to history. We are. America's just, you know, we just, <laughs> you know, I live in Canton, which is, you know, a city which tore down a president's house. So, you know, yeah. we're... <laughs> But uh, I, I think as, as people are being made more aware, you know, a lot of them want to learn more. And it's not even about, you know, making people feel guilty. It's just about letting people know, hey, here's what happened. And, you know, you know, black people fought for this country, too. Um, this, this country is as much as ours as it is anyone else's. Um, so to discount what, you know, people sacrifice in their service regardless of whatever color they are is is just it's probably the most unpatriotic thing i've ever seen and and the opposition overall to like a critical race theory in ohio it, it just makes me scratch my head because history isn't like if i said Sharia, teach me history but only teach me about the pittsburgh steelers because that's what true history is about okay yeah there might be some football history there but that's what a tenth of a percent of what our history is truly about. And I mean, to be serious for a second, you know, history is about things that we did well as a country. And this history is about things we did poorly as a country, not to shame us, not where we hang our heads and say, Oh, we stink. Let's 
do away with this. It's more of how do we learn from this? How do we make right. sure that a Tulsa Raids massacre never comes remotely close to even being thought of, let alone happening? Or that some guy who wants to talk about a great story from the Civil War, we could let share that story without... You, you know, I hate to say this. That guy, if they let that guy give that speech five years from now, if you and I were there and I said, hey, remember that story you told about the Civil War at Memorial Day speech five years ago? You'd probably been like, I don't know. You know, hey, there's been a lot going on since then. But now it's become so much bigger of a deal because they just decided to cut it off. It, it, it's, we need to learn from history. And I know in our history classes, we can't teach everything. There's only a limited amount of time. But when we're just saying we don't want to hear about this, that, and the other thing, I think we're saying a lot about what our society is about. It, it, it's very frustrating. To say well, the, the, the historian Douglas Borstein said, ignoring one's history is like planting cut flowers. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there was there was a, you know, an old an old phrase that, you know, history is written by the winners. That's not the case anymore. We live in an information age now and, and all that has, has been thrown out the window. As you said, you know, the point of history is to is to 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 learn from our mistakes, to learn from from what we did well. And to, one of the great things about this country is when we become aware of something that's that's off kilter or wrong or, or or needs to be addressed, we'll do it. This is a this is an aspirational country, and we aspire to be better and better as uh, you know to pursue what Lincoln called the more perfect union. Yeah, and that's one of the great great things about this country, and, and makes it probably unique in the world that we're always most of us are looking to be better. I mean, there's yeah. some people right now who want to turn back the clock, but that's not how the world works. It just isn't. And it stunned me. I mean, Tulsa Race Massacre reported 300 people died, which makes it a broad story of American history, history significance. But I was watching the the good CNN documentary they, they've done about that, and they were talking to the current um, mayor of, of Tulsa. I mean, he's the mayor of Tulsa. He grew up in Tulsa, and he said, my goodness. I didn't hear about this until my 20s. So mm -hmm. you think if you're in an Oklahoma history class, that would probably make the cut of something you would talk about sometime during the year. And it didn't. And the fact it didn't is just stunning. I mean, can you imagine, no matter what the color was, if 300 people died in a massacre in Ohio, yeah, we, we should be learning about that. It would be stunning if we didn't. And it's shocking how that didn't even make the Oklahoma curriculum. I mean, just shameful. I mean, it's, it's, I'm not really shocked. I mean, it, and it's not the first massacre. I mean, it, you know, yeah. how, many, how many people are, are taught about the Trail of Tears? Yeah. Um, so I'm not really, you know, you hear more people talking about the Titanic, which, yeah. you know, was a British ship. Right. Uh, then, you know, their own history. Um, we have to get over this, this sensitivity that, you know, okay, so we talk about some things that, that went went wrong, that it's an indictment on, on everything this country stands for. That's not the case at all. But it's about being honest. It's about being honest. And um, so it, it doesn't, I have, I have relatives in Tulsa, that's why I knew about it. Yeah. But, but there are so many others, you know, the red summer of 1919. You know, in Chicago, you know, race riots in Chicago, um, you know, when some of the a lot of the, the black soldiers came back from World War One, um, they, you know, they survived the war, you know, the, you know, assault by the Germans only to come home and get killed. 
Yeah. So, um, you know, so it's, it, we, but we need to, we need to examine all that, you know, the, you know, dictatorships and, 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 you know, despots and, and people like they're, the, they're the ones who, who, who hide history and hide facts and hide hard truths. We don't want to end up like that. We don't. Well, I think we truly just don't like I tweeted out, you had a good column a few weeks back about Lori Lightfoot uh, talking about how she had a policy saying, Hey, I don't want to talk. I only want to talk to people of color. And you were talking about, Hey, look, there's some deeper issues here. You did a good job explaining it. So I tweeted out and some I, uh, troll, I guess. I mean, I don't think he had any followers and everything. And he was yelling about, Hey, you and Sharia should look at this case of that. And it's like, <laughs> okay, maybe we could take a look at this case, but understand the premise of what we're talking about. And it, it it's frustrating. And, and Sharia, to your credit, you've been there, you've seen that. It bothers you, but you're not taking it maybe as personally as you may have 30 years or 40 years ago, whatever the case might be. But um, I, I think you have the understanding that unfortunately this stuff happens. It happens a lot more than we think. But I, I wish we could just get better to society from churches on down, just saying, you know, it gets back to the golden rule. I mean, let's shave faith based on the golden rule, treat other people like you want to be treated. And, you know, so often today we're not doing that. I have to often remind myself of how young of a country we are. Mm -hmm. We're like toddlers with a driver's license and too much money, you know, yeah. and, and we, we have to grow up. We, but again, you know, compared to other countries, China or or Greece, or you know, we are toddlers, and and it and it and it shows, and it doesn't help that you know there's this constant tsunami of of misinformation, disinformation, yeah. you know, propaganda, demagoguery. It's just a constant. So we're at the place now where I I I say this all the time that people don't want information; they want affirmation. Yeah. They, want, they want, you know, you know, they want, you know, to be they want to be patted on the back for what they already believe. They don't want their beliefs challenged um, in terms of Lori Lightfoot. She meant well, but yeah. not something you can do. You can't do it. You can't do it. There, there are better ways to 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 address such an issue if if that's what you want to do. Um, but there also she laid she laid bare a, a, an absolute fact that that, you know, my today's media is still, you know, over doesn't reflect the, the population that it serves. It doesn't. Um, I've been the only black female reporter in on, on the pay on the staff for, well, the 30 years I've been here. But even before there was two others in 200 years. Come on, you have a better chance yeah. of getting hit by lightning. Um, so th those are things that need to be. You need to talk about those things. You need to because there's 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 value in diversity, yeah. not because it makes you look good, not because you know, hey, look at us, we you know. But there, I I bring things to the table that I can see things that maybe you can't see. Right. You know, right. I can I I can judge uh, an issue that that may not seem like a story to you. But it is to people that I know. So there's 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 much value in in having people, different types of people at the table. There absolutely is. 
I remember, um, boy, it seemed like a lifetime ago. I came from Cleveland to work for the Massillon Independent, which, oh, oh, geez, we could <laughs> we could do a four hour podcast talking about that, but I'm <laughs> I won't be professional, and we won't do that podcast. But you, you know, a a reporter ran in a huff. He was covering a Massillon City Council meeting, and he said, "Yeah, there's groups there saying that we're racist and we don't reflect what the city is all about," and I didn't agree with the editor at the time, but the editor made a astute comment. She said, hey, look around you. Who do you see? <laughs> What's the color? And 100% white people, mostly guys. And she's like, I don't blame them, you know? And, you know, she made some questionable news judgments that we can talk about on a <laughs> special podcast that probably would never be released. But to her credit, she called it as she saw it. And, you know, we're not necessarily talking about quotas or saying, oh, it's got to be 40% of right. this or that. Right. It's just saying we, we're we not understanding the community, especially a very diverse community, which Canton is, if we don't have that. And I hope and please support local journalism. You know, Sharia does a great job uh, with the repository. We talked to Megan Henry of the Columbus Dispatch a little bit earlier. Um, support the journalism in your area, especially if it's going to Ohio. Um, we have a new crime initiative, and I'll let uh, Rick Arman at the repository, he does a much better job of explaining than I could. Hopefully, they're taking steps to help address that. Are they going far enough? That's for us to decide, and you decide, too. But I like how there's at least some steps in that direction. I'm not sure overall if it's all the steps we need to take, but it just steps to say, hey, we need to reflect our community. And sadly, you know, this these discussions should have happened 40 years ago, to be honest with you. But I'm glad at least they're starting to happen now when they haven't before. So. Right. I absolutely agree. Absolutely. Yeah. Agree. And if you're in Canton, stay tuned repository or, uh, or wherever you're at. I mean, getting out Ohio papers are everywhere. Um, these discussions are happening in the newsrooms, and I, they will be announced shortly. But it, it's discussions to be more fair in how we do police coverage. And as we've seen, too, you can't always take the police words at face value. So we're, we're trying to reflect our drills and reflect that. I, I think I'm explaining it properly by saying that, so. Yeah, I mean, and it's it's not easy. It's 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 a it's going to be it's a difficult um, journey. It's and, and change is always difficult, but that but that's fine too. There's nothing wrong with that either. Um, so and you know some things are going to be we're going to get some things wrong and we're going to get some things right. But uh, you know, it, it it it's the effort is 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 the key. Well, and I I think back and geez, if we did a. I, I could probably think of six or seven stories in my mind that I wrote that could have been written differently. So like you said, the effort being there is good. And we just, we have to keep being game better. I mean, I think that's what's been part of the business for many years. Absolutely. Well, anything else exciting in Canton? I'm just jealous seeing that you're uh, sunning yourself when I'm still looking outside and there's huge raindrops falling in Columbus. So well, you guys can keep those. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, but, uh, yeah, this, you know, this summer is the first uh, resumption of the, you know, Pro Football Hall of Fame Festival. So mm -hmm. um, I think people are looking forward to just really getting back to back to um, close to normal. Um, we'll never be the same, of course, which isn't necessarily a bad thing either. But uh, uh, I think people are looking forward to just being with people. Now, now Sharia, I, I know you're football fans. I saw the cup that you were uh, drinking on, but just to poke a little bit of fun, obviously, you're most excited about the fact that the Steelers are playing the Cowboys, right? The 
Uh, right. <laughs> I could, you couldn't give me a ticket in that game. But <laughs> <laughs> I got to say, I made the mistake. I think that was the first Steelers game I went to in person, which I was excited. My um, uh, cousin operates the Chick-fil-A in Belden Village. He oh, got yeah. some extra ticket. Yeah, yeah, that's a great guy. Yeah. And and he gave me his extra tickets. I he did some things for a lunch, and they gave him some tickets. And he's like, my goofy uh, cousin Chris is into the Steelers, so he gave them to me. And I, I can't tell you, great that the Hall of Fame game is in Canton. I'm not speaking ill of it. It's a tough game if you just want to watch football because the Stars usually play a couple of plays, and then by the time it's halftime. I think you and I are playing. I mean, they have people from the fans come down and Dear guy, you know, yes, <laughs> it, tur- it turns into the glorified touch football game, which you know nobody will see on a regular Sunday. But, but I'll uh, tell you, the NFL is they have um, somebody up there is brilliant because it's it's a year round thing now. You know, if you listen to sports talk radio, it's it's you know they have NFL Network. They figured out a way to make it a year-round sport, and and you know it's only 17 games, but somehow they managed to to keep fan interest in you know, and as far as sports talk radio too, don't tell me guys don't like the gossip because is <laughs> or men don't like soap operas because that's all sports talk radio is. Well, uh, a couple a couple weeks ago we had the schedule release, and we had three hours of coverage. I mean, people in the morning were interrupting their morning, and and this isn't like NFL Network. This is CBS Morning News. Right, right. We're saying, oh, breaking news! This is our first week of schedule, and believe really? me, I mean, yeah, I mean, really? they announced. I think the first week national game is going to be the Chiefs and the Browns. They announced on week one, and I mean, I was doing web that day, and that was by far the number one story. So it wasn't yeah. just saying, "Oh, CBS was crazy or just throwing out this news no one cared about." Yeah. Man, we ate it up. I mean, yeah. we're all like, "Yeah, let's find they this know, out." They know exactly what they're doing. So um, yeah, that's. But uh, the, um, the the last week's story about. Um, uh, black players and, and how they're being, being were being denied um, compensation because they they were thought to have lower cognitive skills. That that story is just I can't believe it wasn't a bigger story. Um, yeah, kind of. I mean, that's as frankly in my opinion. That's as close to eugenics as it gets. Yeah. Um, and it's it's uh, eugenics. Excuse me. Uh, <laughs> But uh, that was very disappointing to hear that and see that. Well, I think the NFL, and yeah, it is a race issue, and it's just an issue of how the NFL does business. I don't like the way where, yeah, there is guaranteed money you can pay these players, but other than that, there's no guaranteed contracts. So you talk about these guys getting a great contract, and my goodness, the NFL, I mean, you know, with the hitting and everything else, I mean, your career could be done in a second. And if you don't get that bonus money right away, your money's gone. So for a lot yeah. of these guys, I mean, the NBA, and the NBA is a tough sport too. I'm not saying it's easy. Right. But, you know, there's a lot more the contracts are guaranteed than they are in the NFL. And I, I kind of wish the NFL would change that. NFL is a great sport. Love the NFL. Um, but, yeah, it's always yeah. a challenge. So, Well, Sharita, remind us. Um, uh, remind me – I might need to help you look it up, but um, remind me about your Twitter. We got to follow you on Twitter, Sharina. How do we follow you there? 
Um, it's I believe it's uh, seagull shad can't rep. I'm not sure, um, but I think that's what it is. But yeah, you can just type in my name too, and it'll come up. Yeah, Sharita's uh, got a lot of good stuff. I gotta talk to you offline. I I want to read Sharita's um, columns on Twitter. Uh, I gotta help you with that. But no, it's see a uh, Goshe rep um, is where you connect okay. with her at, and a lot of good articles um, that she posts. Um, a lot of articles make you think, and, and that's really good too. So Sharita, yeah, we gotta do this more often. But thanks for your time. I, I appreciate yeah, it. Um, and thanks everyone for checking out the Ohioan. Um, let me, uh, sure if I can talk to you for a sec afterwards. Um, thank you for checking out this interview show. We're trying this. Uh, Shreya, I was telling our listeners that not everybody wants to do the interviews at six or seven in the morning. So what we've tried is kind of like a Monday morning show to focus on interviews. And we appreciate all of our interview people today. Uh, Patrick Fennell from Grace Bond Ministries, uh, sharing about the joy of just providing grace to one another. I, I thought that was great. I always good to hear from Megan Henry uh, talk about education in Central Ohio. And as you see here, Sharita Gauthier. So thanks for your time. Thanks for checking out the Ohioan. Uh, we're going to have some um, coverage of the Steelers later. And have a great day, and thanks for checking us out. Thanks, Chris. Hi, I'm Jennifer Mooney. Welcome to what is our new Hope Interrupted podcast based on the work from our book, Hope Interrupted that I co-authored with my good friend, Byron McCauley. Hey, Jennifer, you know, I'm looking forward to this podcast as much as I was look, looking forward to writing this book with you. We hope to interview some uh, high impact folks as well as have a little fun. We're going to cover stories of hope. To learn more about our podcast and our book, please visit www.hopeinterrupted.com.